Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Lots of NFL action coming our way this weekend. It is time for our Friday at 5. Let's do this, Randy. Dolphins and Ravens. Starting with the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens. The Dolphins beat the Ravens last year. Now, they haven't done that twice in a row since winning four straight back in 97 through 2003. It has been a minute since, frankly, the Miami Dolphins did anything notable, uh, including beating this team back-to-back. Randy, I know you're not giving my Miami Dolphins any chance Let's talk a little bit more, though, about how you feel about the Baltimore Ravens, because I feel like we did a lot of Dolphins last segment. Are you yeah. high on this Ravens team? A big week one performance from them. I am. I, w- I would really like to see, and this may be more narrative than actual football performance, but I, I really would like to see J.K. Dobbins back. I feel like that would be a big boost for a backfield that you know was sort of a, a collection of collection of. of uh, you know, medium talents. Uh, I mean, I, Devontae Foreman was on this team at one point last season. I know because he was on my final fantasy football roster, and that tells you that I didn't make the postseason. Uh, but I, I, I look at this, and I think if they get that defined role, they are such a dynamic rushing attack, and it opens so much for the passing attack with what Lamar Jackson tries to do. I loved what I saw in week one from Devin Duvernay. I think Rashad Bateman is coming into his own. There's just more to go around in the passing game. Now that Hollywood Brown is out in the desert playing with Kyler Murray, uh, they could stand to involve Mark Andrews more. I mean, he had a team-high seven targets, but five grabs, 52 yards. Lamar, three passing touchdowns, only 213 yards. Like, I feel like there is more on the vine for him. And unfortunately for you, Amber, I think Miami might see it. Might see it this week. I think this is a huge test for the Dolphins because I think we all have expectations for this Ravens team. If the Ravens are healthy, I mean, heck, we had expectations for this Ravens team, but the first four games of the season last season, and then they started getting decimated by injuries, and the injury to Lamar obviously far too much for them to overcome. We all expect that this is going to be a very good Ravens team if they're able to actually stay healthy. It's a contract year for Lamar Jackson, which is bizarre Uh but it is so he's even extra motivated if he wasn't motivated enough already I think that this is a huge test for a Dolphins team that I think got a good win against maybe a a not so good New England Patriots team last week speaking of Buccaneers and Saints oh Buccaneers and Saints I'm sorry I was looking at the wrong game on my list Javante that was probably very confusing for you let's go Bucks Saints here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're talking about a Patriots or Bucks Saints. Sorry, I am all over the place with my hair. With well, Tampa it's because Bay. of the quarterback. All over it's the because place. of the Bucks quarterback. I, I really desperately want to talk Patriots Steelers, apparently. Tom Brady, four game losing streak versus the Saints. We know this is his kryptonite, is this New Orleans Saints team. Doesn't matter who is the head coach. Does it matter who is the quarterback? Because those things have changed over some of these losses here for Tom Brady and, of course, changing again here this season for the Saints. Does it matter? Can Tom Brady finally get this one done? Uh, I think he can, yeah, because I think the quarterback does matter. I think the head coach does matter as well. They still have the disruptive defensive talent, though, to really get after Tom. Uh, Brady's offensive line has gotten markedly worse from last year to this, they're already dealing with another injury on this sort of uh, band-aid group of replacements. And his receiving core is all kinds of banged up. It looks like Chris Godman won't play. Chris Godman won't go. Um, Julio Jones is is dealing with an issue as well. Um, 
Mike Evans is dealing. Uh, not, it's not a hamstring for Evans this time. It's a calf issue, but his sort of annual, you know, sh- will he or won't he on the injury report is very real. It's a left tackle. It's a left tackle there uh, for uh, for Tampa Bay. Donovan Smith, who's listed as doubtful to play. So you do that. You're on the road. He's, he hasn't played well in the dome in his career. Uh, super, even the Super Bowl, even the Super Bowl win over the Rams. Brady's stat line wasn't great. He had a tremendous final drive. Uh, all I'm saying is. Uh, it's stacking up to not be a pleasant day for Tom Brady at the very least. And as as he goes, so go the Bucks. Oh, don't do it. I care about you. Uh, don't bet a dot bank against Tom Brady unless you really like losing bets. I'm not going to do it here. I think this New Orleans team, you're talking about a team that frankly I think is overrated coming into this season. You're talking about a team that barely beat the Atlanta Falcons. Barely. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaker for the Falcons. A one-point game. And now we're talking about them. Beating this Tom Brady-led Bucks team that was dominant in Dallas uh, in, in a big primetime game. Yeah, no, uh, I think my money will stay with the Bucks in this one next. Patriots at Steelers. There's the game that for some reason I really want to talk about. Randy, apparently, uh, the <laughs> Patriots are seeking to avoid their first 0-2 start since 2001. 20 seasons they have gone Without a single 0-2 start, that is the longest active streak yeah. in the NFL. Does it stop here? It does stop. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Steelers have enough defensive talent, certainly up front, and that offensive line for the Patriots did not look good. Down in Miami, I think they move up a weight class against this uh, Steelers defensive front. I know T.J. Watt won't go, but, man, they still have some real, real playmakers. Highsmith is a, is a massive issue. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick as well. I, I think the Steelers get this win. I have questions about this Steelers team. I was surprised at Trubisky in week one. I've been surprised at their commitment, I guess, to Trubisky moving forward. I know Tomlin's making it sound like he's never going to move on to Kenny Pickett. I still have a hard time believing that, but Trubisky is the guy for now. He didn't throw an interception in that first game. Of course, though, he had to get a lot of help from Joe Burrow being wildly inaccurate in game one in a way that we're not used to seeing. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to have as mediocre as a performance as he did in week one against the Dolphins, but this is still a very good Steelers defense, so it's problematic for this Patriots team. I don't know how to grade this one. Honestly, (laughs) I don't think the Patriots are as bad as they looked last week. I don't think the Steelers are as good, frankly. I feel like this is a push, but the Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in this one. I'll still take the Steelers next. Bengals at Cowboys. Bengals at Cowboys. Cowboys don't have Dak. What are you doing with this one? I'm going to go with the Bengals. Yeah, and it's because of Dak Prescott. It's also because it seemed like C.D. Lamb, and he said as much after the game, is having trouble adjusting to being the clear-cut, defensively focused number one wide receiver. And when you do that, when you have those issues, and it is a growing pain for a young receiver, but when you have that and you're going from your starting quarterback to your backup like they are going from Prescott to, to Cooper Rush, I think it's I, it poses some problems with the ceiling uh, for offensively for this for this team. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals, whose ceiling is so much higher. Uh, yeah, I don't have much sympathy for Ceedee Lamb with those growing pains because you got to be ready when your number's called, and that means even moving from the number two to the number one, you knew yeah. that that was going to happen when they got rid of Amari. But Cooper Rush, speaking of Coopers, <laughs> a little bit of a problem without Dak under center I can't make much of this team I think that or of this game I think that the performance from Joe Burrow I feel like that was a lot of rust last week with the Bengals not playing together in the preseason I think they'll figure it out got another one here Cardinals at Raiders Cardinals at your Las Vegas Raiders yes do you believe I I believe in the Raiders yeah I think I think we're going to see another double digit target effort from uh, Derek Carr targeting Devontae Adams I think the ground game is going to get going I think Kansas City 
I, listen, the Raiders are not as dynamic offensively yet as Kansas City is, but what Kansas City did to Arizona, Arizona would be forgiven. That coaching staff flying home, burning that game film, deleting it from the hard drive, whatever, and never watching it again. I do think there is something there that the Raiders can duplicate, imitate, try to follow, and I think they'll be able to put up, let's call it 30 points on Arizona. It could be a fun one. It could put, could be a, fu- a, fun, points. a fun shootout, but I, I think the Raiders get a couple of sacks, make enough plays, and get out of there with a win. All right, I was with you right up until you went like two homer and, and you went off the rails. Uh, 30 with- points. 30 points. They're going to put up 30 points. Four touchdowns. That's all it is. On this Arizona team. All it is. Four touchdowns. Uh, Such a a simple task. (laughs) Yes, I I have a hard time believing this Cardinals team either. I think that the Raiders uh, will get it together here in week two and show us, hopefully, that Carr-Adams connection that we've all been chomping at the bit to see. All of these games will be Hot Tickets. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Coming up next here on Canteen, Carlin, Amber Wilson, and Randy Scott filling in for the guys. Justin Herbert is day-to-day with rib cartilage, uh, rib cartilage fracture, they're calling it. So what does this mean for the Chargers all season long? We will get into it. This is Canteen, Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Is there trouble for the Los Angeles Chargers? Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson, and Randy Scott filling in for the guys. So we learned when Adam Schefter tweeted out and let us know that the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, has officially suffered a fraction to his rib cartilage. We know that with 501 remaining in Thursday's game, he got hit and he got hit hard and he went down. It looked ugly. He mixed, missed the next play. He comes back out. He finishes the game. He never looks the same, though, Randy. And and after the game, he was in obvious pain. So now we know a fracture of the rib cartilage it sounds painful. It sounds like it could be a problem. Brandon Staley saying that they're going to evaluate things, see if he can practice on Wednesday. Their next game is against the Jacksonville Jaguars next Sunday. So we have a little time here to deal with this, but it doesn't sound good for the Chargers right now. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's it, there aren't many NFL teams that can absorb the loss of their starting quarterback and say, okay, we're all good. <laughs> we expect the same things realistically. They may outwardly say it. They may say it at a at a podium or at a press conference or whatever, and, and it's coach speak, and it's just trying to galvanize the locker room. But, no, he is such an upper echelon quarterback. I mean, he was ready this season, in my opinion, to you know compete and contend for an MVP award. And 
he just lowers the offensive, you know, uh, max that this team can put out, the offensive ceiling that we keep talking about. It's it, it takes so much off of Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is not a burner. He's there. He's there wide receiver one, although maybe it's one and one A with Mike Williams, but he is such a precise route runner. And to have to build that rapport with Chase Daniel, who's who's currently the number two quarterback there, it's just not going to happen really even over the course of a of, of an NFL season. So it would drastically alter their plans if he's forced to miss time because also that division is insanely competitive because everyone in that division got better. I mean, save for the Chiefs. I, I actually thought that they would be worse <laughs> because they lost Tyreek Hill and uh, jokes on me because of Patrick Mahomes. So I, I, I'll push back one one slight way, Amber. The ball that he had to Josh Palmer on fourth and short where he's uh, he has a cracked rib or two at that point. He's wincing, whatever it was. They didn't try to dink and dunk. They weren't just looking for the first down. He aired it out blindly over two receive two uh, defenders who were run, running with their back to the ball, and it was a perfect pass. And to do that with broken ribs, maybe that does give them some motivation or faith in, in thinking maybe he can play through it. I don't know. Well, and maybe he can. I mean, we've seen crazy things like that happen before. And initially, his coach, Brandon Staley, really downplayed it, right, saying – you know, it's a game, hard hits happen. Well, here right. was Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, addressing Justin Herbert's injury. Justin um, has um, a fracture to his rib cartilage, and uh, it's good news. It's better than having a fracture of your bone, you know, in the ribs. Um, but the uh, CT scan did confirm that, um, and he's day-to-day. I think we'll know a lot more about practice and stuff like that on Wednesday. Uh, Going to take the weekend, certainly, and then the beginning of Monday, Tuesday, uh, to learn a lot more, um, but day to day. We've seen people play with cracked ribs. This is cracked cartilage, I guess, between your ribs. So I guess it sounds better yeah. than a broken bone. It all sounds pretty awful to me, but it's, it's, it's a, a slight change in tone from Staley. I mean, that was sort of, you know, very professional business as usual. Right after the game, he was asked whether he was concerned, and Staley's answer was no, because he's Justin Herbert. Yeah. That was quote, end quote. I'm like, yeah. what does that mean? You know, no, he's missing a limb. Are you concerned? No, because he's Justin Herbert. It's like, eh, uh-huh. well, all right, even Justin Herbert, eh, you might want to rethink that one because yeah. because he's Justin Herbert, I feel like you should be all the more concerned. Yes, I'm very concerned because he's Justin Herbert. Yeah, because he means so much to us and, and to what we're trying to do. That last drive, so it was a touchdown drive for the Chargers that brought it to, to within three points. It made it a three-point game. It was fourth and short. Let's see here. It was fourth and short, and he found DeAndre Carter. I want to make sure I get that right. Yeah, it was It was uh, for 30. No, let's see here. It was 35 yards, whatever it was. It was, yeah, fourth down, DeAndre Carter for 35 yards. That's the ball, fourth and one. That was tremendous. But there was an incomplete pass to Josh Palmer on second and seven where there was 15 yards of space out in front of Herbert. He could have run for it. But he couldn't. He physically could not because of the ribs. And so later in the drive, he throws a touchdown pass, and it's all good. But for Brandon Staley after the game to be like, "No, I, you know, I'm fine," or he's going to be fine because he's Justin Herbert. It's like, man, look at the Justin Herbert that you just saw, unable to trust himself to run ten yards at NFL half speed, and instead just threw the ball to the ground. Just through, because he was out of the pocket, right. it wasn't intentional grounding, but just was wincing as he even threw the ball away. You knew it was bad. We just didn't know it was going to be this bad. I mean, you said it earlier. There's not a team in the NFL that can miss its starting quarterback that isn't going to miss 
their starting quarterback, maybe the yeah. 49ers, but outside <laughs> of them, right? I mean, yeah. outside an unusual situation. Now there's teams though, that the drop off might not be so severe. Like we don't know how severe that drop off would be in Atlanta, right? Or, or in Pittsburgh, right? But with Justin Herbert, you're talking about a quarterback that we all think the sky's the limit for. So you're talking about yeah. an elite quarterback. And so that's a real, real concern. I mean, he is pivotal, obviously, yeah. to their success. And I know it's an easy thing to say. We're talking about a quarterback. But when you're talking about that quarterback in particular, I do feel like that this really could change things for the Chargers. Yes, they have a good defense, but this could really change things if this is an actual legitimate problem. Now, Herbert might be able to play through it, but it doesn't mean he's going to be the same Herbert like you just said. Yeah. Yeah, like no. we saw a snippet of there at the end of the game. I think it would be unfair to expect that much. Um, let's also grade what we saw in the first half last night in Kansas City by the you know a weekly Thursday night football scale. I mean, you have to grade it on that curve because these guys get beat up four days prior, and you never feel as good during an NFL season as you do going into week one. That's actually probably training camp now that you think about it. But after that, you're beat up. And you have to turn around. You got that short turnaround, four days. So there is some literal and figurative soreness and rust that needs to be knocked off in the first halves of these games. And even with that, Los Angeles looked pretty good. Los Angeles was hamstrung by its own coaching decisions. And that's kind of my question to you, Ambers. Brandon Staley made a couple of questionable moves with a healthy Justin Herbert last night. And it was a departure because we all saw how the end of the season was for the Chargers. A little too aggressive, a little too... Uh, freewheeling with the analytics, and that probably cost him a playoff spot. I felt like Staley overcorrected last night, and I wonder how much more conservative he'll get with the backup quarterback if it's Chase Daniel or someone else. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, Staley went the narrative and criticism surrounding Staley last season. He's gambling too much with those fourth downs. Right. Now, last night it was he's not gambling enough. He's not taking enough chances. With, he's not going for it on fourth when he should be. If Justin Herbert's not at the helm, I actually don't know if that narrative exists the same way. Because I think the whole reason that narrative exists is because he's coaching under a microscope because we're sold on his team, right? I mean, yeah. it's like there's no problem when we look at the personnel on this team, so then you must be the problem if they're not – if it's not working out in the win-loss column. Yeah. And that kind of ends up following falling on Staley. If Justin Herbert isn't a healthy Justin Herbert, actually, in some weird way, that might even alleviate some pressure on Brandon Staley, which is a weird yeah. thing to say. But none of us want to see that. We want the pressure on Staley because we want to obviously all be witnessing the greatness of a healthy Justin Herbert. The Chargers are in one and one. They have nine days before they play their week three matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Turn into an NL West battle on Sunday as the Giants host the Dodgers. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Coming up next here on Canteen, Carla Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys. We're going to try to make you some money next, okay? I like money. You like money. I don't even have to know you to know you like money. We're going <laughs> to get to it. This is ESPN Radio and, of course, on the ESPN app. All right, Amber, time to hear from Disney+. Plus. This September, Disney+, Plus is back in action with exciting new premieres like Disney's Pinocchio, Marvel's Thor, Love and Thunder, Pixar's Cars on the Road, Star Wars' Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, National Geographic's Epic Adventures of Birdie Gregory, a new Simpsons short, 
Welcome to the club. And don't miss other new favorites like Growing Up and Frozen 1 and 2 sing-alongs. Plus, they have all new episodes and specials dropping like Marvel's She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and Dancing with the Stars, the pro's most memorable dances. Nothing's bigger, nothing's better, nothing beats Disney+. Plus. All these and more now streaming. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You miss Canty and Carlin. If you like money, listen up. We're going to try to help you get some of that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys today. You like money. I like money. We let's all go. like money. So let's try to make some more of it. <laughs> ESPN betting and fantasy analyst Eric Moody. He joins us here on Canteen and Carlin. And Eric, let's start with your biggest betting storyline as we enter week two here of the NFL season. Well, you know, there's one betting storyline that comes to mind. And for me, it's how Russell Wilson and the different Broncos will respond. They suffered a heartbreaking loss to the Seattle Seahawks on the road for week one. It was very painful to watch. And ultimately, Wilson's homecoming uh, ended up being a nightmare, uh, especially when uh, head coach uh, you know, Hackett you know, took the ball away from Wilson with the game on the line and you know, had the kicker, McManus, you know, try to kick a long field goal. But um, you know what I just think about Wilson and this team going in, into week two? Uh, they must convincingly defeat the Houston Texans. No doubt about it. And so Denver's a team – I would say with playoff aspirations, a team with a potential MVP candidate in Wilson, and one's, uh, one team that some betters view as a dark horse to win the Super Bowl. So if I'm going to bet on this game, you know, I'm taking the Broncos to cover the spread against the Texans. So I think they'll deliver a masterful performance in an attempt to bounce back from last week's debacle. <laughs> Eric, no, no, he says with a chuckle. No, Eric, the Broncos are on this this next list here. Rams, Niners, Broncos. Bengals, mm-hmm. Bengals, and Packers—they're all touchdown or more favorites for this week. D- despite being zero and one, and despite it being so early in the season, where I feel like sometimes books put a number out and obviously you know read where the public is going. But how much do we really know about these teams? So I say all that to say, who do you like to bounce back this week and go ahead and cover? Yeah, it's one team that comes to mind that I'm going to go with here, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. So despite a tough loss oh. to their division rival Steelers. I do believe Cincinnati will be fine, uh, especially offensively. Uh, that team is just so talented on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, and Joe Mixon. It's just tough to see, you know, that plethora of talent fail. 
But one thing did surprise me in week one. I was surprised by how good the Bengals' defense looked. Like Cincinnati allowed just 269 total yards of offense, and the run defense was impressive. And I think that's important since they'll face a Cowboys team without Dak Prescott, who's out with the thumb injury. And I want to give you some, uh, some stats here. So Dallas has played 12 games without Prescott since 2016. Like they've seen a decrease in points per game, and the total QBR is 43. And so the Bengals were 5-2 and two against the spread following a loss last season. So I look at the Cincinnati team. I believe they're well-positioned to cover the seven points in Week 2. ESPN betting and fantasy analyst Eric Moody joining us here on Canteen. Carlin Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys. All right, Eric, the Cleveland Browns are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the New York Jets. What play do you like in this matchup? You know what? I do like the Browns uh, to cover against the Jets. And so if I'm on the Jets team, I am anxiously awaiting the return of Zach Wilson, you know, especially after Joe Flacco's performance against the Ravens in week one. You know, New York only scored 0.8 points per drive. They punted on six of their 12 drives against the Ravens. And looking at the, the Brown side of things, now, don't get me wrong. Now, Jacoby Brissett is by no means elite. You know, but he was able to lean heavily on the Browns' running game with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They got a stellar defense with Miles Garrett. And it just makes sense, given Cleveland's personnel, that this would be their identity. Ball control will be critical for the Browns this season, especially while Deshaun Watson serves a suspension. But I can see Cleveland's defense in this game. They should be able to overpower Flacco. Uh, you look at how Baker Mayfield was sacked uh, four times by the Browns back in week one. And you look at the Jets' offensive line still needs some work. So I want to bring all that together with the stat. So Cleveland is 6-2 and two against the spread over their last eight home games against teams below 500. The Browns typically excel against lesser opponents, and that's exactly who they're facing uh, this week in the lesser opponent, the Jets. All right, so Eric, you can go ahead and focus on the, uh, on the point spread. You can also focus on the total. Are there any over-under bets that jump out to you on the slate this week? Yeah, there's there's two uh, there are two bets if you're looking at the totals. Uh, you got the Panthers at Giants. Uh, the points are at 43 and a half. I'm going to take the under on that one. And we just talked about the uh, the Jets and the Browns. So I know we talked about the spread, but looking at the total uh, point total on that at 39 and a half, I'm going to take the under there as well. What's your favorite player prop this weekend, Eric? Yeah, I would say my favorite player prop. I keep going back and forth on this, but I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. Over 246 and a half passing yards. And so I think we all saw how, how bad uh, the Packers looked last week. Um, I'm like, how terrible it was was encapsulated by Christian Watson. I'm watching him burn, you know, oh. burn cornerback Patrick Peterson on that deep route, but then dropping what would have been like a long touchdown catch. It kind of reminded me of like in that movie Necessary Roughness with, uh, you know, Stonehands, you know, back uh-huh. in the uh, early 90s. It, it, was, it was hard to watch, but. Let's talk about Rodgers. You know, the back-to-back MVP, I think he's going to look to bounce back. He's playing the division rival Bears. We know how, how much he loves the Bears, you know, just given some of the uh, commentary between these two teams over the past couple of seasons. But I'll bring all that together with the stat for you. Rodgers has averaged 260.3 passing yards per game against Chicago at home since 2018. So I like Rodgers this week for a prop bet. All right, Eric, one more to get you out on because there are other player props. There's a fantasy football element on some of these uh, betting options and and betting websites. Is there a fantasy football prop that jumps out to you? Maybe even a, you know, a a rushing total, receiving total, whatever it is, what stands out? 
Yeah, I would say from a um, like a betting and fantasy lens, because I know a lot of fantasy managers are looking at uh, like Damian Pierce. And so there's a prop on Damian Pierce if we're looking at Caesars over 43 and a half rushing yards against the Broncos. And so Pierce caught the attention of NFL and fantasy football fans during the preseason. You know, he averaged 7.8 yards per attempt. And Rex Burkhead obviously played more snaps than, than Pierce in week one. But Lovey Smith all week has talked about, hey, we need to get the rookie more involved. Mm-hmm. And I believe Pierce will be more involved this week. So I like the over on that prop against the Broncos over 43 and a half rushing yards. All right. ESPN betting and fantasy analyst. There you have it. Eric Moody. Eric, thanks for joining us. Yeah, not a problem at all. Appreciate the invite. Enjoy week two and until next time. Yes, sir. We are ready to enjoy week two. Canty and Carlin's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Coming up next, how much money would you pay for an NBA Finals jersey worn by Michael Jordan? We kind of have the answer, or at least the answer for one person. We will explain. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Randy Scott. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Riding high off of what we saw in Thursday Night Football last night, Randy, right? Because we got the matchup that I think we all wanted in the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people feel like this is the matchup of the future. Watching Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in a duel, and frankly, in the first half, it kind of wasn't that. And it was like, what are we watching? What's right, happening? It was right. a little sloppy, you know, from both those guys. But, of course, in the second half, we kind of got what we had expected. The Chiefs get the best of the Chargers 27 to 24. And since we're coming off of last night, I feel like this question, it, there's going to be some timing bias in the answer. But if I asked you, who's the class right now of the AFC? Is it the Chiefs or is it the Bills? What would be your answer? Still the Bills. It is wow. still the Bills for me. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think I think uh, we lose sight of the lead that the Chargers had early in last night's game. I mean, double-digit lead at Arrowhead. Justin Herbert, if if he's healthy, I think um, the Chargers, you know, stay all the way. You know what? You know who really is <laughs> who really is to blame for last night's Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett was ab- and I don't blame him for being tired. He was absolutely gassed on a long catch and run. He was dynamic at the tight end position there for the Chargers last night, but he was gassed and he gave up on his route. He gave up on his route at the goal line and that is how Javon Watson was able to get through, come up with the pick. Now, it's on Watson to return it all the way for a touchdown, but still, that pick is on Everett and it's not on Herbert. And I think Herbert proved that he's unafraid of going into Arrowhead. He'd already won there once in his career. He was going to become the first quarterback to win there twice, to beat Mahomes twice in his career, and it uh, just didn't happen. So I come out of that being more impressed with the Chargers than with the Chiefs, but I still look at both sides of the football and what Von Miller brings defensively to the Bills, and I think they are the class in the AFC. The reason I had mentioned timing bias is we watched what the Bills did back on September 8th, right? Which, I mean, last night feels years removed to Randy Scott because he's been up since 1.30 in the morning. (laughs) I can't imagine what September 8th feels like. That feels like years ago to you, I would imagine. But the Bills were so dominant against the defending champs, right? I mean, dominant 
on the road. And I get that SoFi is not the craziest home crowd in the world. But still, I mean, you're talking about a Bills team traveling across the entire country, taking on the reigning Super Bowl champs, and then doing it with ease. And you're right. It wasn't with ease last night for the Chiefs. That's a very good Chargers team, but it wasn't yeah. with ease last night. And we're talking no. about a team in the Rams that should be a very good Rams team as well. And the Bills made easy work of them. Yeah, you know, the Rams' biggest loss is really the Bills' biggest gain, and it's Von right. Miller. It really is. I mean, the, the swagger that he brings, the defensive just matchup nightmare that he is for the opposing offensive line. I do think the Rams losing Andrew Whitworth to, uh, to retirement is going to hurt them on the O-line as well. It's probably not fair to the Chiefs to unseat them when they haven't done anything wrong. Somehow I'm still doing it. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. We're coming down the stretch here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys today. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy Scott ESPN. His day's almost over. He's been up since 1.30 in the morning. He's posted <laughs> multiple sports centers. He's done four hours of radio now. Still kicking. You're almost there. You're almost at the finish line. You can go to the hotel <laughs> bar tonight. Do, get yourself <laughs> a cocktail. Let's do four more. Four That's more hours. Let's do, you know what? Just, let's do four. That's why ESPN puts you on every show. That's why they won't let you leave the building. Today in Bristol, Uh, you can also tweet to me at Amber W Sports. We've had a lot of fun on today's show, a lot of NFL. If you like college football, shameless plug, tune into College Tailgate. Me and Randy Scott tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio. But right now, on Canty and Garland, it is time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. President Biden is going to meet with the family of Brittany Griner at the White House, per reports here, Randy. Senior administrative officials told the AP that the meeting would happen today. It would be the first in-person encounter between Biden and the families of Griner and Paul Whelan, mm-hmm. who's the other American being held over there in Russia, the corporate securities executive um, over there as well. So the meetings are occurring amid sustained but unsuccessful efforts, of course, by the administration to secure the release of both Americans. What do you make of President Biden now having Brittany Griner's family to the White House? I think it's overdue. Um, you know, we try to walk a middle line when it comes to, to politics. I don't really look at this as a political issue, even if the president is a, a political figure. I mean, this is a human rights issue. Um, this is a wife who is incarcerated against her will. Um for largely trumped up charges, right? In a, uh, man, in a in the criminal justice, quote unquote, system over there that is not kind to Americans in the first place. And so the leader of America, uh, I think this is overdue. And I, I don't know what he could have said today to make uh, Sherelle feel better, but I think she deserved the audience for both families, uh, both Brittany's wife and, uh, and the Whelan family as well. I just, that's the first word that comes to mind is overdue. Yeah, it feels overdue to me as well. I mean, listen, I, I know nothing about trying to navigate um, these issues of quite literally international relations and everything that goes into it during a war, during wartime, or it feels like Brittany Griner is a bargaining chip there um, right before Russia invades Ukraine and everything that goes into that. And who knows about the legitimacy of anything that has happened over there whatsoever when it comes to that, like you said, air quotes, justice system, quite different from ours. But this is, I feel like, kind of the least, I guess, this administration can do right now is, is just try to comfort the family. Because I, 
I, I, it's such a difficult situation. We all just want to make sure that she's safe and we all just want her home. Yeah. But maybe yeah. there's some comfort in being, you know, invited to the White House and knowing because what it does is it tells you, hey, we're working on it. We haven't forgotten about your family member. You know, right. we, we, our, our focus is still on on getting her home. So it's good to know at least uh, that our country is still working on that. Michael Jordan, there's no easy transition here, so I'm just going to transition. Uh, Michael Jordan's last dance jersey from that 1998 NBA Finals sold at auction for a cool $10.1 million. Oh Randy God. Scott, where did you hang it? Uh, so I'm a massive Michael Jordan fan. Like a massive, like I have Wheaties boxes, I have McDonald's fry holders, I have the Dream Team, you know, 92. Uh, McDonald's cup, plastic cup collection, like I, anything Jordan, I'll, I'll try to get my hands on it. It's a, it's an expensive thing to do, so I, I haven't been able to do it for a while. But uh, I always thought I would try to get a signed jersey, any kind of signed jersey. But a game-worn NBA Finals, game one of the last NBA Finals, man, forget it. No shot. $10 million. $10 million. And it surpasses Maradona's cheating jersey, the Hand of God jersey. Which was nine point two eight million. Yes, nine point two eight. So it's the most May. ever paid That's for crazy. a single item of sports memorabilia because it was that nine point two eight okay. million dollar hand of God jersey from that nineteen eighty six World Cup that yeah. was previously the most expensive one. I mean, I have a ton of sports memorabilia. I have a ton yeah. of signed jerseys, like dozens and dozens of signed jerseys. That's pretty cool. That's pretty and cool. And I love myself a signed jersey. <laughs> I ain't got one. That's game worn from any NBA finals. <laughs> Nevertheless, Michael Jordan game worn. So I'm what? still working my way there. 10.1 little steep. I'm going to wait yeah. until the price comes down a little bit, you get know. Couple, get a couple boats for that money. Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh what's the what's your your favorite one? Your 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 prized possession. Your prized jersey or the one that you wish you had? Is it like a Spurrier? Do you have a signed Spurrier? No, I think my prize. No, I do have a signed Emmett Smith though Gators jersey. Okay. And okay. so I think that's probably yeah, that's what I was thinking. my I was prize when you're thinking Gators. Gators jerseys. That's my prize Gators jersey. Okay. Uh, but, you know, Tim Tebow, you know, don't be afraid to send your girl over here. One. <laughs> uh, te- I'm sure he listens to Canty and Carlin. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he knows who I am, by the way. Tim's, uh, Texas. Tim will like, do it. Yeah, right. Uh, Texas ran up um, an early $280,000 tab for a recruiting visit by Arch Manning and yeah. a few others there. Uh, this is according to public records obtained by The Athletic. According to those public records, the Longhorns spent, Randy, $630,000 on two recruiting weekends in June. That included official visits by Arch Manning and eight other recruits that featured five-star accommodations, virtually all-you-can-eat fare for them and their families. Uh, extra money was spent on the Manning visit, it seems to have worked. Arch Manning is going yeah. to Texas. Uh, what do you make of this? I, I think this is probably the cost of doing business, not not even just now. Uh, this has probably been this way for the better part of a decade, right? Um, what's funny to me, though, is Quinn Ewers is there mm-hmm. as the starting quarterback for Texas. They probably had to do a fair amount of expensive recruiting to get him there, and now you're doing it for a guy who's coming to take his job. So, there's a good shot that you're doing this on a rental basis. You're renting, not buying the services of these players, and the prices are only going to go up. So I just, you know, it eventually reaches a tipping point, but it's an industry uh, uh, with, with college football coaches where they, you know, Nebraska just paid $7 million to try to part ways with uh, Scott Frost ahead of schedule. So The reality knows? is he's such a big name. Any yeah. school would have paid anything. Also, a couple big names coming up. Spain and Fitz, that's next right here on ESPN Radio. 
Check out Canty and Carlin weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.